It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. court level at Welsh Ryan. I want to ask what he saw. And a lot of you folks are uh, posting videos, pictures, things of that nature from that game. Not happy about that. Uh, I want to see what he saw and uh, hear what he thought about that stuff. So uh, Bob's going to be on here in just a little bit. Also, uh, the uh, girls from Purdue Sports talking about a uh, absolute, I mean, the calendar is just chock full of events here. So uh, we need to start talking about uh, some of your spring teams and whatnot. So let's go and get started like we always do. It's time for our Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right. Um, first off, there was supposed to be a basketball game tonight in Mac Arena. But um, due to the recent events at Michigan State from Monday night, that game has been... It's not being played. That's the terminology here. Any potential rescheduling of the event will occur in coordination with the league office, says the Purdue release, and it will be announced at a later date. Next up, the Boilermakers travel to second-ranked Indiana on Sunday afternoon for a noon tip-off against the Hoosiers on the Big Ten Network. Women's golf hangs on to take its first tournament of the uh, spring season here. The Tulane Classic is in the books. They carried a 16-stroke lead into the final round. We told you about that yesterday, and then it evaporated, but they end up with a four-stroke win over Incarnate Word and Tulane. Boilers beat fellow Big Ten members Iowa and Rutgers by over 20 strokes each as well. Ashley Kozwolski finishes second overall, three shots behind 24th ranked player in the country, Daniel Dewitt, also coming in third. Purdue with four uh, four flavors, four players in the uh, top five. I'm not thinking about ice cream or anything in here. Uh, Purdue uh, will get right back out to it. Uh, They're heading out to Vegas. Vegas, baby. It's the show next week, the Spanish Trail Club. Uh, it's uh, It was snowing there uh, the other day, so before we start thinking about it, it's going to be this uh, super nice weather. I'm just saying, I saw it snowing on the strip. They were freaking out about that, and it was like insanely windy too. So I'm hoping, hoping that the uh, weather for them will be a little bit better uh, than what I saw this, uh, this week out of them, because it was really insane. Now I'm really curious about it. All right, next week, Tuesday, 67, 63. Yeah, we're talking mid to upper 60, sunshine, but like 15, 20 mile an hour wind. I think that's kind of normal for Las Vegas, isn't it? Good luck, ladies. Uh, Men's golf finishes 10th out of Puerto Rico. Uh, The 28th ranked team in the uh, country right now. Herman Seckney with the 
a 28th place showing, three under par, his seventh and eighth rounds of even par or better this season. His third round, 69, marked his sixth round in the 60s this season. Purdue back in action in March at the Hootie at Bulls Bay down in South Carolina. Crazy action last night in the Big Ten, man. Penn State 93-81 over Illinois. Jalen Pickett dropped 41 points. Penn State shot 58% from the field, 43% from three. Programs crossed 94 times this year. This is the first time they do it in Big Ten play. Nebraska. Boy, who's the genius that said the under in this one? Nebraska put up halves of 40 and 42 to beat Rutgers in Jersey Mike's Arena. 82 to 72. They were 16-point underdogs. Nebraska shot 58% from the field. How? I mean, and in Jersey Mike's Arena. Nothing makes sense from last night. Nebraska shoots, uh, they, they average 66 points per game. And they're a 45% shooting team. And they went off for 58%. No sense. No sense. And you know Rutgers is like one of the best, they're the best defensive team in terms of opponent field goal percentage. 39% per game. And I guarantee that's even lower in Jersey Mike's. It's crazy to me. Um, Nebraska won for the first time at Rutgers since January 24th of 2018. It's the second most points Rutgers has given up outside of their trip to Iowa and the most they've given up at home this season. And then there's Michigan, who blew their halftime lead. They lose 64-59 at Wisconsin. Michigan doesn't make a field goal for the final 10 minutes and 47 seconds of that game. That's over a quarter of a game. They don't hit a field goal. Wisconsin only manages to score 9 points in the last 8 minutes and 30 seconds. Just a weird night in the Big Ten. Tonight, Indiana's at Welsh Ryan, a two-point underdog. Winner of that game will get within two of Purdue loser. Goes to a five-team tie for third. It's the only game tonight. Michigan State and Minnesota has been postponed. They have not announced a makeup date for that just yet. Tonight, Pacers host the Bulls. Indy a two-and-a-half-point favorite. DeMar DeRozan is confirmed out for this one, but Coach Billy Donovan said he may suit up tomorrow against the Bucks. Miles Turner listed as questionable for the Pacers tonight. Halliburton is off the injury report. The home team has won the previous two matchups. And then the Blackhawks absolutely stomped by the Canadiens 4 to nothing last night. They're going to hop on over to Toronto tonight, 7 o'clock on TNT. The Leafs, a massive minus 650 favorite tonight. Blackhawks plus 2.5 is at minus 120 right now. Hawks are also a plus 450 money line dog. If you want them to win in regulation, it's plus 700. You're 7-1 on your money for them to win in 60. It's just, that's mind-blowing how one-sided that is. And, of course, the, that's happened several times this year to them. 
They're not a good club. So there you go. There is your need-to-know news for this Wednesday, February the 15th. Shout out to everybody out there picking up uh, your discounted Valentine's Day candy as well. All right, over to our friends with DraftKings. Uh, no sweat, same game parlay tonight is in full effect. You can still get that plus 200 on Tiger to make the cut this weekend as he makes the return as well. That's what's going on. Uh, Indiana, a two-and-a-half point favorite now against Northwestern. Uh, that has shifted, hasn't it? Because I thought we were early on here a Northwestern favorite. Look, uh, I have not gotten in maybe I should scour Twitter a little bit better. I'll see if there's been any updates on him. But, you know, Race Thompson didn't play in that game against Michigan, wasn't even dressed. Woodson says in his uh, in his uh, radio, TV show, whatever, that uh, he wasn't sure if he would play tonight. And that makes it really hard to figure out how to go with this game. I think the easiest thing to do here is take the under, which is 134. But, you know, if Race Thompson isn't going to play, that that's that's a no-brainer there. If he is going to play, that changes things. I just I'm not a huge believer in Indiana away from Assembly Hall. And against a team in Northwestern that plays as good a defense as they do, that would make me nervous uh, as a uh, Indiana backer here tonight. Yes, I know they've gotten wins here at home over Rutgers. Uh, they got the wins at, at home over uh, Purdue, did Indiana, but you know they lost that one at Maryland. They nearly lost that one at Michigan. They nearly lost at Minnesota. That's their last three road games. Doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence. If races out, that kind of changes things here for me. Um, look, I, I don't want to give you an official prediction on this one as of right now because Race Thompson really does uh, uh, affect this. I think if I have to make a play, if I had to make a play for it right now, I would go ahead and take the Northwestern plus two and a half. Because if race does come back in, um, you know that line's going to grow. But if he is confirmed out, I, I do think that starts to swing a little bit more to even money. Nobody seemed too definitive that he was going to try to give it a try here. So I don't know. You got to monitor that status. If I had to make a pick right now, I have to assume race Thompson is not playing. If that's the case, I would want to be on uh, Northwestern and the under here. I think, too, if you're looking at putting together a same-game parlay, you have to, again, if you're going to assume that he's not going to play, all of a sudden Trace Jackson Davis, over 19.5 points, seems like a good prop bet for you, doesn't it? I mean, this is a, an Indian team that can shoot the three. They're a great three-point shooting team. They just don't take a lot of them. They love that little pick-and-roll game here.
Trace Jackson Davis, last five games, 18, 18, 25, 20, and 28. When he played at home against Northwestern, he had 18. Boo Boo, he had 26 in that game, too. Jalen Huchifino had 33. Went 5 of 7 for 3. I don't think they're going to uh, have that again. And that was also a game here, too, where uh, Trace, they did not have Race Thompson in that game either, back in Bloomington. Trace did have 17 rebounds. What am I going to get on rebounds for Trace then tonight? Over 11 and a half? Last five in rebounds, 11, 18, 7, 20, and 10. I don't hate that for you. Maybe that's where I need to put my money. Over 11 and a half rebounds. Northwestern ninth in the conference in rebounds at 35A game. Right there in the middle at eighth, their opponent rebounds. Not too great, but not terrible. Let's go. I wish I had something more definitive there for you. I, I, I could probably get it. I think the Pacers probably do win tonight. They've been, they they are so due. I mean, they are so due for a win, and DeRozan's not playing this evening. So I, this could be a really good Levine game, I think. Because we talked about this. We talked about how good guards can be uh, against the Pacers, specifically shooting guards, he had 14 in their last matchup, but then DeRozan also went off for 33. They also didn't have Halliburton for that game. So I don't know, going to throw a little bit of that out. But maybe that's the play for tonight. Keep an eye on it. You're going to have to put together no uh, no sweat same game parlay, so uh, I would definitely look into that. Miles Turner's not going to play. You know Vooch is going to have like 15-plus rebounds probably. I feel like this can be a predictable game as long as I know who's in and who's out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Bobby Riddell is coming up next. Stick around for him. We'll get his thoughts on what happened against Northwestern, where this team is at right now, and uh, what's going to happen tomorrow night at Maryland. He's next here on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017. Welcome back. It is the uh, Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. To the Blue Fox, seating and cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Our good buddy Bobby Buckets is on with us here. Uh, you hear him on the radio call with uh, Rob Blackman and a uh, boy. I'll tell you what, um, it's it, that was a, a rough one Sunday. You were up there at Welsh Ryan, a a rough ending. It was a very physical game. It seemed like. Um, I, I just just kind of give me some of your observations. You're sitting right there at the uh, scores table. You guys are very close to Matt Painter and company as well. Uh, what were some of the things that stood out to you uh, during that game against Northwestern on Sunday, Bobby? Yeah, sure. First off, thanks for having me on, Jared. Yeah, definitely. You know, was a was a rough one there at Northwestern, particularly that second half. Of course, just kind of the way the game unfolded. Certainly, um, some unforced errors our end, on our end, plus some some forced errors by Northwestern. Got to give Northwestern credit for um, making some you know big time defensive plays. They certainly were extremely physical, and 
the, the officiating allowed that game to be, you know, a physical game. And so to give Northwestern credit, they, they certainly uh, were able to capitalize on that. But definitely a number of open, you know, jump shots for us on our end uh, that we, you know, went begging in that second half that if we were able to knock some of those down would have put us obviously in a better position to win. Um, so I think, you know, even though uh, there was definitely a lot of turnovers that you'd like to have back, mm-hmm. I think there were certainly some uh, missed shots that we would like to have back as well. And, and overall, we just didn't play our best brand of basketball in that second half. And a lot of that was due to Northwestern. And, uh, they're obviously playing much better this season than they have in the past. So got to give them credit. But there was definitely a couple calls. I, someone even sent me a picture, actually, of myself reacting uh, – <laughs> on the TV to a call where I had my hands like on my head where uh, they called that shot clock violation against us at the start of the second half. Um, I mean, that's just, I, I don't understand how that can be the rule, how you can allow a inadvertent uh, reset of the shot clock by, in this case, the home uh, shot clock operator and the guys on the floor see that shot clock be reset. And so they are obviously going off of that and realizing and determining they have more time to shoot and then you can stop the game and then retroactively give a shot clock violation to a team that had no idea they were up against an impending shot clock buzzer. So uh, that's mind-boggling to me and I and I think my reaction got caught when they determined what that call was going to be on, on TV behind Coach Painter. But Anyways, that was that was a, a couple one of a couple calls that certainly I think could have gone a different way, but it is what it is. That's life on the road in the Big Ten, and, and sometimes you just got to be better. You know, I, I always say this. I, I don't. When it comes to officiating, the the number one thing I'm asking for is consistency, right? I, I want if you're going to call it, let them play at the beginning of the game. I need it on both ends, and I need it there at the end of the game. The the problem with calling it very loose like they did is it can get out of control, and then you're forced to kind of come back in and, and tone it down with the whistles. But uh, I was a little shocked that uh, they never really seemed to do that in this game unless, you know, you breathed on Boo Booey, then apparently that was uh, that was an issue for Ethan Morton. Um, and, and really, just having Ethan in that uh, trouble, the, the foul trouble, uh, I, I thought was a, a big factor in, in that ball game, not having his defense out there. No question, yeah, it was definitely frustrating to see to your point where it feels like the game from one half to the next you know is officiated differently um you know that's it happens from time to time i suppose but you know definitely was frustrating and then to your point about ethan yeah he's such a solid guy for us you know particularly on the defensive end there on the perimeter and so he you know picked up a couple fouls in transition uh trying to stop transition opportunities after we had turned it over and so that's you know, kind of one of those situations where if you turn the basketball over, you, you're not allowed to set. You're not able to set your defense on the other end, and you can sometimes not only give up baskets, but you might give up fouls and, and allow the team to get into the bonus or have some of your better players get in foul trouble. So, so many things can, um, you know, domino effect from turning the basketball over from a negative standpoint. And we certainly saw that firsthand. And we've dealt with these turnovers now the last three games, and going into an opponent like Maryland on Thursday. It's going to be something we got to rectify for sure if we want to come out of there with the road win. 
Uh, how does Coach Painter go about doing something like that? Uh, you've been in those practices before, I'm sure. Uh, uh, how, how do you I mean, how do you practice to limit those turnovers? Is there some specific things that you uh, are, are focused on? Is it more of a film study? Hey, let's not do this. Uh, how, how does Coach Painter like to go about limiting those turnovers? Yeah, I mean, it's tough sometimes, right, just because, and I heard Coach Painter say this on his radio show, so I'm going to copy him a little bit, but you know, it's not like they're all the same type of turnover. So it's not like it's just like, okay, this one type of turnover is what we're having and we can address it and focus on that. You know, we're turning the ball over in a lot of different ways. So I think it's just got to be a collective mindset of trying to be stronger with the basketball, particularly when you're facing pressure. You know, you can't be loose with it. you got to be strong triple threat. Um, you know, got to be – uh, have a physical brand of basketball to you on the offensive end as well without fouling and uh, got to you know in a game like that you got to be expecting contact and you got to play through it and I know that's difficult but uh, we also just got to make better decisions at times uh, some of our post feeds at times are just you're throwing balls into windows that are too tight and you just can't make that decision um, I know Braden Smith got caught in the air a couple times jumping to pass he's got an extreme uh, uncanny ability to be able to do that at a high level the majority of the time but every once in a while, um, if you jump in the air and don't have a place to throw it, you can get in trouble. And so, you know, I know he'll look at those plays and try to figure out if there's opportunities for him to maybe jump stop uh, versus jump in the air. But um, all in all, I think it's just got to be a collective mindset where we got to uh, improve across the board. We're talking with Bobby Riddell here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. I, I want to get into a player. I, I kind of brought him up last week a little bit. Brandon Newman, look, we don't get through December without his shooting. I mean, when this team couldn't knock down a three in the middle of December, I I thought he played really, really well. Um, But lately, for a guy who's been such a great scorer, it has not come for him. Over three against uh, Northwestern, over two against Iowa, uh, one for two against Indiana, over. Uh, against Penn State, one for five against Michigan State. That's the uh, last five. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I watch him, and I watch him come off the bench, and it just seems like he gets lost in the flow of this, that he's almost kind of looking for his role um, as a scorer and just hasn't seemed to f- just doesn't seem to find it right now. What have you noticed out of him lately, and uh, what can he do going forward maybe to um, get that scoring touch back? Yeah, some, you know, some struggles for him, unfortunately. You know, I felt like last game, you know, he took three really good shots, all, you know, pretty wide open on the perimeter and just unfortunately wasn't able to to get him to go down. But I think those are three pretty clean looks that uh, Coach Painter and his staff are are happy with him taking. You know, he's just, he's got to try to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. You know, sometimes you got to see that first one go down and then it can open the floodgates a little bit. But I think for him, it's just, Continuing to try to make the right decisions on offense as far as shot selection, as far as not forcing things, making sure he's throwing the ball inside uh, to the big fella because, you know, the big fella, Zach, he's a pretty unselfish player. And so he, you know, if he gets a double team, he'll be looking to kick it out. So I think with, with him, it's just a matter of being solid and taking what the defense gives him uh, when he gets his opportunities. We're talking with Bobby Riddell here on the uh, Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Um, there's, look, so many videos about fouls and stuff um, that, that came out on uh, on Twitter this week. A lot of fans were upset. 
Uh, there's a couple in your court side there. I kind of wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, let's start with the first one with Fletcher. Did you happen to see that interaction with Coach Collins? I mean, the video's a little bit grainy, but it does seem to look like that he maybe grabbed Fletcher by the elbow or something, or at least made contact with him as the ball was coming into bounds with about 12 seconds left to try to get one of his guys to come over and uh, cover him. But have you seen that, or or did you see that uh, while the play was going on at Northwestern on Sunday? I did not see that uh, take place while it was unfolding. Um, was looking down at, at Big Zach, who was trying to post up and catch that long pass. So I didn't see uh, Coach Collins reach out and grab Fletcher. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate. Obviously, you know, a coach should never be grabbing an opposing player uh, under any circumstances. But I think, uh, you know, he was excited. It was late in the game. Uh, he was desperately wanting his player, Chase Adij, to – uh, get over there and, and mark Fletcher, you know, with his team up six with 12 seconds to go. The game wasn't quite over yet, even though they were in good shape. And I think he just kind of lost himself a little bit and was like, you know, Chase, come over here and, and guard this guy and, and yeah. reached out and grabbed him to, you know, signal Chase who to who to guard. Um, unfortunately, he obviously should have just pointed uh, versus grabbing. But, um, you know, it, it's obviously not a – a great situation, but it's probably not as big a deal um, as, you know, some people are making it out to be. I don't think it was, there was any harm intended, but of course he's got to just, you know, make sure he doesn't do that again and and watch his hands. And then the other thing too, I I mean, the students rush the court. uh, That's a chaotic situation. It looks like on TV. What is that like for you sitting down there at at that table to watch that uh, humanity come there? I'm sure obviously you're looking at, which players are farthest away from the bench and thinking about them trying to you know, get over into a safe spot. Uh, kind of describe that moment to us, uh, what that's like, because unfortunately you've had to experience it a couple of times this season, but uh, when opposing fans uh, rush the courts, uh, kind of give us the feeling what that's like and what you're looking at. Yeah, it's a pretty wild sensation, certainly. Uh, you know, it's something that's special about college basketball is, you know, fans rushing the court and celebrating and those kids having that unique experience. It's unfortunately, of course, happened at our expense a, a number of times over the last couple of years, which is, of course, a bummer because that means we've lost those games, but it's also a compliment to our program that uh, these fan bases feel so proud to beat us that they'll rush the court, and it just shows where Coach Painter has elevated this program, uh, which, is, which is really cool. But, yeah, when the fans rush the court, I mean, it's it's intense stuff, right? And you know, I've been at some of the arenas. I've been up higher where our radio position is pro, uh, where our radio team has been positioned. But then there's been other games like uh, at Northwestern where I'm right there courtside, and you know, you can definitely feel the intensity of, of the court storm. It's like a stampede, essentially. And you know, this past game with some of our players stuck out in the middle of the court, it was definitely uh, concerning. So I'm glad, you know, nothing major happened, and all of our guys were able to escape that without any, you know, harm. Uh, we've got uh, Maryland coming up here on Thursday night. That was a rather contentious game, a lot of tension towards the end of that one in Mackey. Uh, what are you expecting on Thursday night uh, when the uh, Boilers travel to take on the uh, Terrapins? Sure, I think it's going to be a really intense battle. Uh, there's no question about that. I mean, Maryland's uh, been playing tremendous at home this year. Uh, they got a really good ball club, a really athletic team, physical team. Um you know, they, they definitely had some success against us in Mackey, particularly in that second half. 
And so I would expect them to come out and, you know, try to uh, enforce their will on us and enforce their athleticism and physicality on us like they did in, at, at times in the second half. And obviously they have, of course, watched um, the film on some of our losses this year and have seen some of the things that can be effective against us. So we're going to have to be mentally and physically ready to, uh, you know, play against an opponent that, you know, has certainly given us some fits earlier this year. And I think there's certainly uh, some aspects that favor us as far as the fact that we've seen this team before and seen the type of style they're going to bring against us. That does help. Um, but they've, of course, seen us too, so they, they have some benefits and they're going to be on their home floor. And so we're going to definitely have to play one of our better games, I think, this year to come out with the win. And hopefully the fact that, you know, we've struggled a little bit as of late, hopefully that has our team on edge and, and ready to go from the jump. Bobby Riddell here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. He does the uh, Keller commentary there. We're alongside Rob Blackman on the Purdue Radio broadcast. We'll be eastbound and down here a little bit later on the day as he heads on out to Maryland, so make sure you tune in and take a listen. Bobby, I always love talking hoops with you, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, safe travels uh, on Thursday, and uh, I hope you help Willem do a win this week. Thanks, Jared. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Back over to the Blue Fox Eating and Cooling Hotline. We go. It's uh, Stephanie and Caitlin from Purdue Sports on with us here. Tell you about all the great stuff that we got going on uh, on campus this week as we're starting to get into the spring sports. The schedule is getting really, really crowded. So lots of stuff to talk about. Ladies, always a pleasure. Um, we want to start with uh, tonight. There was supposed to be a, a women's basketball game uh, against Michigan State. Um, and of course with the, uh, things, you know, what happened on their campus earlier this week, um, very understandably, they are going to postpone that game tonight, correct? Yep. You are correct. Um, like you said, tonight's game that was supposed to be at seven, um, is being postponed. We do not have a rescheduled date yet. Um, but with that said, everything for tonight's games, so all the pink game, um, focus, the Jersey auction. Um, all that stuff is being moved to our final home game of the season, which is next Wednesday, February 22nd. Um, so, again, all of our pink stuff and um, pink elements from tonight's game is being moved to next Wednesday due to the postponement. Okay. So, we, we've got that going on here. Uh, men's basketball is going to head out Thursday night to, uh, to, to Maryland. Um, you've also got uh, softball starting to uh, and baseball this weekend starting to fire up here. Unfortunately, um, it's not warm enough to play both those sports up here, uh, but uh, they will be in action uh, this weekend as uh, baseball heads down to uh, Sugarland. I was told earlier I said Sugarland earlier, and uh, that's too Midwestern for me. So uh, we got to say Sugarland, Texas. They're down there uh, this weekend. So best of luck to them. There is stuff happening on campus though. We got some, uh, this women's tennis team is an absolute wagon, as the kids say. And they're back at it again on uh, Friday, right? Yeah, you'd be correct. We actually have both tennis, both men's and women's tennis. Uh, Our men's tennis is today, this afternoon, actually, at 1 p.m. It is free at the Schwartz Tennis Center. So if you're looking for a free event to go hang out and watch during your lunch break, great spot to be at. And then, like you said, women's tennis, they are absolutely killing it this season. Um, they are back home on Friday, February 17th at 3 p.m., so a little bit of a, a late afternoon, early evening matchup um, over the Shorts Tennis Center, and it is also free as well. You love to see that. Uh, Saturday is just super busy. I feel like everybody is involved in something. 
know, women swimming, diving, doing their uh, Big Tens up in uh, Ann Arbor, track and fields up in, in South Bend. Um, I can't believe the uh, spring slate for soccer has even crept up on us there as they uh, take on uh, Illinois State. Uh, softball on the road, baseball on the road, a, uh, a busy Saturday uh, for uh, sports fans. But, uh, hey, Sunday, look at this. Uh, you've got uh, Purdue men's basketball back against uh, Ohio State, 1 o'clock in Mackey Arena. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that's sold out, isn't it? <laughs> that would be correct. It is sold out. <sighs> See, look at that. Uh, you should have gotten your tickets when we told you to back in <laughs> August of 2020, it seems like. Uh, this team was very popular. Women's team going to head down to Bloomington. That game is also sold out, so uh, best of luck to uh, those ladies as well. And uh, we always like to remind folks, too, right, it's never too early to buy season tickets for a couple of the other sports, like uh, football season tickets, right? Yep, that's correct. Our football season tickets are on sale now, and they start at $126 for the season. Um, and you can go to PurdueSports.com and check that out. And, uh, you know, Caitlin, I know is a big baseball fan here as well. And uh, those baseball tickets are on sale. It's never too early to start thinking about that. The home games will be here before you know it. Oh, yeah, definitely. You are correct. Our new season tickets are also on sale at the moment for Purdue baseball. Um, and our single game on sale for all general fans will be February 22nd. Um, at 9 a.m. So single game tickets are also around the corner for baseball. So make sure you guys uh, pick those up and uh, get out there and support your boy. Did I hit everything here? We're doing good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got everything. Uh, geez, Eddie, better we be the SID for women's golf and uh, we can go out to Las Vegas next week when oh they tee God. off again or, you know, just get back from Puerto Rico. I'd like to know how to get the SID job for both golf teams. That'd be a pretty good, that's a good travel schedule, I think. Yeah, if you like traveling, any SID job, I think, puts you on the road quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, one sends you to Puerto Rico, the other sends you to Nebraska in February. Just throwing that out there. So, ladies, always a pleasure talking with you guys. We'll talk with you next week. Boiler up. Boiler up. Always a pleasure talking with them. Um, all right. I got an email forwarded to me today from our engineer from Finland. Says greetings from Finland. This is uh, Vesa. Says I am an AMDXer. I have no idea what that is. I haven't gotten a chance to talk with them. Who regularly monitors the signals of distant AM stations? I'm reaching out to you because on February the sixth, I succeeded in receiving the WASK 1450 AM signal here in Finland. <laughs> I'm big in Finland. Let's go. Every winter season, we most enthusiastic DXers. Used to travel up to Lapland, which is the northernmost providence in Finland. Located in the Arctic wilderness, this area is ideal for catching long-distance AM radio signals. I spent last week near a, a national park that I can't pronounce with my good friend who has a uh, very Finnish name that I'm not going to attempt. And they monitor AM signals from North America. <laughs> this is kind of cool, actually. These guys went out into the wilderness, set up uh, some kind of audio catcher here, and got our AM signal all the way out in Finland. Uh, so to my new Finnish listeners, uh, hello. You guys have a uh, fantastic national hockey team. So salute to you guys. I'm on board. Let's go. There you go. Apparently, I've got friends in Finland now. I'm international, baby. Let's go. We'll turn them into Boilermaker fans. No problem. We're going to take our final break when we come back. The things that we may have missed and more as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017.